Hey everybody, thanks for joining Spring Pack, the podcast. We have a great show lined up, lots to talk about, so let's get after it. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for another episode of Spring Path, the podcast. Today we're going to learn about Plymouth State, and our special guest is Matt Wallace, the Director of Admissions from Plymouth State. How's it going, Matt? Good, Mike. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I actually personally, when I was looking at colleges, came out to visit Plymouth State, and uh, I was pleased. I was really surprised. I was blown away by just the athletic facility, the town. Um, where you guys are located. So um, I'm really I'm really happy to have you on the show and have you tell people about Plymouth State. So right. let's get started with with you. How do you how do you get into this position? I know you wanted to start out. You were you were thinking about being a teacher, and then you went down the track of hospitality. Give us a little bit on, on you. How you got? Yeah. Here. So I grew up. I always kind of thought I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, got into education, liked it, and then somewhere in my junior and senior year, it just stopped feeling the right path for me. Um, and at that time, you know, I moved out of the education major into a history major. It was major. kids, wasn't it? It was, it was little kids. That was yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know about, I don't know about these little kids 24 hours <laughs> all the time every week. Um, but yeah, so I moved in, got a history degree, you know, didn't want to lose the earned time. So still got that bachelor's degree because it is such a door opener for so many positions. Uh, but then I worked in hospitality through high school and college and, um, worked at a local place uh, in New Hampshire. Anybody from New Hampshire listening, it's a common man family of restaurants. You probably are familiar with them. So I did hospitality for about five years. Really loved it. Uh, but as life has tends to do, it, uh, I met the person who's now my wife. She was a teacher at the time. Nights and weekends, teacher schedule doesn't really jive. So I uh, started looking for, for that next step. And uh, as an alum at Plymouth, I loved this place. It was a place that I really felt made me uh, the person that I was. So there's an opportunity to completely change careers and kind of start from the ground floor again, but uh, applied and came back to Plymouth as uh, the events coordinator of the missions office. So running daily tours, open houses, accepted student days, things of that nature. Sure. Um, yeah. Been here for about seven years now and just kind of taking one door that opens as after the next. And uh, yeah, now I've been in the director of missions position for about three and a half years and loving it. No, and I and I can attest to that. You and I have talked offline, and, and you do actually love the role. I mean, you're you're perfectly suited for it, and you, it's it's uh, it's rewarding. I see it in your eyes. Um, so, I guess the question I have for you now is: Let's talk about that kind of that drive in to the campus. I know because I remember when I went up when I was uh, visiting campuses. And this was a long time ago, but you're on that road. You're heading up. You got the main artery, and then. All of a sudden, you come upon this like beautiful New England-esque town and college campus. Yeah, it's definitely people who are coming from ways away sometimes think we're way up in the northern part of New Hampshire, and we're actually centrally located. Um, and as you're driving up, there, you definitely feel like you're getting to the rural area because we have a very rural campus. But right before you hit Plymouth, you start getting these views north. You have these beautiful mountains, you know, where the foothills of the White Mountains, 20 minutes south of White Mountains, five major ski areas within 30 minutes. And then get off Interstate 93 um, and you come into that quintessential small New England college town. But I think the thing that makes our area special and a little bit different than um, a lot of other schools is that the town and the college share Main Street. So one side up the hill is the college, on the riverside of Main Street, the other side is a town. So it's this great vibe between the two and you get this 
perfect combination of like a caring, warm college campus with that same caring, warm vibe from the town. It's not like some schools where there's tension between the two. Um, it's just a really unique place that we see people come up and absolutely love. Um, there's something that students who visit will say to us frequently is there, I don't know what it is about this place. I can't put my finger on it, but it just feels like home and it's where I want to be for the next four years. And thinking back to my college search, again, being alumni, something that I felt pretty significantly and mm -hmm. what drew me back um, when I wanted to switch careers and do something new as a professional. All right, Matt, let's uh, shift gears for a minute and let's talk about students coming in for their first year. Now, I know you do orientation pretty early in June and you kind of knock that and get that out of the way because of something called Panther Days. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah, Panther Days is great. Panther Days is that first weekend where it's just first year students on campus. Um, we recognize that there's a, that challenge, right? People really want to come and have a great experience in their first year at Plymouth. But we need to support them in that. Um, that's one thing you'll see throughout everything that we talk about today is that we have this incredible base of support for our students. So as Mike mentioned, we start in June with a two-day, one-night orientation. That's nuts and bolts, right? We're going to do course scheduling, talk about financial aid, paying the bill, all those things. So that when you arrive here for Panther Days, it's just a weekend-long festival celebrating the newest group of Panthers that come to campus. So we have concerts each night. We have um, mentalists who come to campus. There's somewhere probably between 40 and 50 different programs over the course of that first weekend that you get to pick from. So when I say get to pick from it, you do have to participate. It's a little bit of like that forced yeah. fun kind of thing, but it's so essential for students before they meet, uh, before they start that first class to have met people and start building connections. Uh, we were talking a little bit before about that number one reason that students don't live, uh, don't stay at a school is because they don't find their tribe. They feel lonely. Um, sure. So we try to facilitate ways for students to make those connections so that on that first day of classes, they're going to have somebody go to breakfast with or have lunch with, right? It's not necessarily creating that best friend that you're going to have and it's going to be your best man in your wedding um, forever, but at least sustain as you figure out those connections. Um, yeah. One of the ways that we help do that is we have an activities fair in that Panther, um, that Panther Days weekend where every student club and org, um, all hundred of them are out on the lawn in front of our student union. And you can go around and just check in, um, about the different clubs that you may be interested in, give them your contact information so that you know when their meetings are. Um, one of the challenges students talk about when they're coming to school is how do I find my group of the 1,000, 1,200 new students that are coming in plus the other 3,000 that are here on campus, right? The easiest way to do that is to find ways to find people that have like interests, right? So, you know, yes. some of our clubs, we have a Latinx club, we have a Cactus and Sucking Club, we have a radio, we have uh, the mountain bike club. So go find those people that you have connections with and it might feel scary, right? That first time stepping into a club meeting where there's 15 people who may know each other and you're that new person, it might feel scary, but you're gonna be able to blend right in and talk about the things that interest you, right? Whether it's the mountain biking club, right? You're gonna be able to fit into those discussions and really um, make a good fit for you that should hopefully sustain you through your four years. Yeah, uh, and I think, I mean, you know, essentially what it sounds like is 
you know, I know, we all know that, you know, first year students, you're, you're, you're landing on campus, you're going to be nervous, you're going to be, you're not going to have your people, you're, you're going away from home, more often than not, you're not going to have your parents, your friends, oh. your normal network. Mm -hmm. This is your opportunity, where, you know, this, this, these Panther days, everyone is very receptive. So please put yourself out there to get involved, exactly. sign up for these different clubs, just find a, a common interest because you'll get absorbed right into those groups easily. They're not there to reject you. That's what they're there for. They want more people to join. That's, that's what it's so, all about. That's a great point. Like when people are running a club or even when you're thinking about asking for support in other offices on campus, once you're here, right, in academic support, things like that, they all want to you to be part of the community. They want you to add to their student club org they want to help you if you need some help with some academic services right get out there it will feel a little intimidating and a note to parents and family here like encourage your students to do that and parents if you get a call from your student that first weekend that says i haven't found my friends yet right make sure you tell them like stay up there Put yourself out there, make a pact that they can't come home for the first month, right? <laughs> really give them the support they need and the quiet backing to push them to make those connections. Because we see every college sees students that leave after that first weekend because they might be feeling a little lonely. Sure. And that grit that they develop through that is going to help them persevere through college, but also the next time they're going to have this feeling is when they get out into the career industry for the first time. So if they can learn in this setting, which is a setting for learning to get out, make those connections, they're going to be better equipped for it um, in four years when they're getting that first job. Yeah. So for all the parents listening, once your kid goes out the door, don't let them back in for at least a month. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's I, I mean, a little harsh, but it's a great tactic. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's tough love. I mean, but it's it's necessary because to your point, one connection, one networking connection, especially on a common ground of something you like doing, will help them blossom and and just open up and, and find success. So let's so let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, shift over to what is Plymouth kind of known for? How do you, how are your programs set up, and and what what do you students come to school for? Yeah, I think we have three major buckets of um, kind of academic areas. And then there's other programs that don't fit into these neat buckets. But I'll talk about the three that I think uh, most students come in and make up the majority of our enrollment. So we have our School of Business, six programs in there, um, accounting, finance, marketing, business administration, sports management. Um, and I'm blanking on one that now that yeah, we're going to put you on the spot. <laughs> but um, so there's six programs in there. Our business school is an applied business school. So meaning students aren't just learning from a textbook. They're going to be getting um, real hands-on um, learning opportunities in whatever of those majors they end up on. The other two are our health programs. So we have nursing, allied health sciences, exercise, sport, physiology, public health, and physical education. Um, we'll talk more a little bit later on about some of the new things we have on campus. Sure. But Strength and Conditioning Lab is an amazing place for these students. Uh, it's uh, kind of the best in the region for this kind of education. And then education is our foundational. We're founded in the 1800s as an educational school. We have, I, don't, I forgot to do the exact count, but seven or eight programs that mm -hmm. are education programs for students here at PSU. Can't go wrong. Um, we're double accredited and uh, be great for any student who's looking to move into elementary or post-secondary education. 
Yeah. No, and, and that's great. I mean, you have breadth, uh, you know, of opportunity there for different programs. But, you know, what's unique about Plymouth, and you and I have talked about this offline, is can you talk a little bit about cluster learning? Because that's really cool. Yeah, totally. So the integrated cluster learning model is our president of the university's answer to the national conversation with the value of a bachelor's degree, right? Some people have rightfully, I think, questioned, is there value in, in this investment of a bachelor's degree if some employers don't like what the outcome from that bachelor's degree is? So our president came in and said, we're going to give students the three things that all employers want, regardless of major. One, bachelor's degree that should be given at any college you enroll at. But the other two, we don't feel is a, as much of a given because students learn at a lot of schools hypothetically in a classroom and not given the opportunity to apply what they're learning into the real world. Right. So the other two things besides that bachelor's degree is going to be the soft skills that employers want that make you a good team member, but also will allow you to move up quickly in your career and hands-on learning opportunities. Um, hands-on learning opportunities at Plymouth, they're baked into our general education curriculum. So every student, regardless of major, are going to have at least two opportunities to work um, on projects that extend beyond the walls of the classroom or the regional partners that are outside the institution partner base. Mm -hmm. I think this really sets our students up to be successful uh, because employers want to see what have you done, like that's outside of the classroom. The other yeah. thing that in these uh, two classes, we focus on what we call the habits of mind. Um, and these are skills that translate to the skills that employers want, purposeful communication, uh, self-regulated learning, a worldly perspective. These are things that you need to have a better grasp on to really become the employee that employers are looking for. Uh, mm -hmm. Because when you graduate, you don't want to go out and be looking for your employer to tell you how to do things. We're essentially teaching you how to solve problem, which problems, which is essentially what work is, right? Your employer is going to come to you with a challenge and say, how do you fix this? And we're going to teach you how to do that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, and I can speak personally, I, I have had uh, other episodes where I've interviewed graduates of, of programs mm -hmm. who are now running divisions or running parts of companies. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they talk about. They talk about, okay, we understand that you have the academics chops, you, you have your degree, but what have you done outside the classroom? What kind of soft skills do you have to interact with the team that I'm going to bring you in on? Um, so I think this is this is awesome. It's it's uh, it's it's definitely needed, and I'm sure you're seeing great success with it. Um, I did I did want to talk about one thing that's a little outside of the box, but along the same lines. So you and I were talking about this concept of tackling a wicked problem, yeah. and that's what you, you put out there for for students. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so in that commitment, there's the way we get that at least two for every student is putting in the general education curriculum. So every student in their first year, most students' first semester will take a class called Tackling Wicked Problem. This is like the start of the general education pathway. On the back end, you'll take a similar class called the Integrated Capstone. But for the sake of this discussion, you know the Integrated Capstone is similar to Tackling Wicked Problem. But Tackling Wicked Problem is our first year seminar. So a wicked problem is a societal issue that there's no real solution, right? So think about uh, climate change, fake news, um, homelessness, right? These are things you can contribute to, but there's no real one solution that's going to end it, change it, fix it. So our students take 
a technical wicket problem class that they selected based on the problem they want to contribute to. Uh, so a great example, we had some students last year who took technical wicket problem, what is fake news? And what they did is they collaborated with regional people from the media um, and came up with a documentation, like a small book that is for, available online for free that gives a breakdown of how to identify fake news and gives you tools and tips to say, is this news extremely biased and how to identify that? Um, sure. What this is doing for students, right, is they're not just working with their faculty. It's a student-led project and they're working with real world professionals. So when you go to get your first job, you not only have your degree, have the experience, have the soft skills, but there's a fourth piece in there that we don't talk about as much that I think has real value is your references are not just Plymouth State faculty, right? Our faculty are great, but having references from these, these corporations and industries that you work with also goes a really long way. Another example of, it's not a, not technically a problem, but one of these project-based classes that we have in addition to the technical problem integrated capstone, which we simply call cluster projects. So these are projects that follow that cluster's ethos of hands-on applied learning. Um, it's PSU Creative. Uh, students from graphic design, marketing, and business administration come together to manage social media and marketing portfolios for real corporations. So for instance, we have a group of students right now who are managing all the social media and digital marketing for Gunstock Ski Area. So when those students graduate, they're gonna have the director of marketing from Gunstock writing them a recommendation, <laughs> which is a real mover when you get that first application. I know I hire, working in the admissions office, I hire a lot of people right out of college um, and seeing what they've done and have for recommendations besides uh, faculty is a great thing that I look to supplement to understand what their skill set is. Yeah, no, I, I think the programs, I mean, when you and I talked offline, you know, the ability to connect students and put them into those roles, number one, to see if it's right for them, to see if they right. like doing it. But number two, let's say they, they do like it. Um, you know, to your point, you're getting recommendations from real corporations and, and they, they just, they go a long way. It's right. not, you know, it's not just like you said, faculty or staff. So kind of on that note, um, you've recently combined your career and academic um, advisory teams can you tell me a little bit more about that and the success there? Yeah, so as you've seen, I think with our academic model, we understand and try to really hold true to that through line from starting college to graduation. And we were realizing that there's a lot of students who aren't taking advantage of career services office, offices until their senior year, and sometimes at their detriment in, in certain ways, right? One of the ways is we see students who come in, they have a specific career aspiration, but they aren't in the, pro the right program or maybe the best program. A great example of this is students who want to go to law school. A lot of times they come in in criminal justice when actually um, history or political science is a better pathway towards law school for these students. So we can, if we know right at the get-go that they have this law school aspiration, we can help advise them into the appropriate major. Um, so that's kind of some of that early on early intensive advising that we do between the two offices. And we make sure that students are meeting both their academic and their career advisors right from the get-go. You meet them in the, at, during Panther Days, actually. And if you don't meet them in Panther Days, you have to meet with them in the first couple of weeks. Um, but then as students move through, right, in addition to the hands-on learning opportunities that we have in our general education curriculum or those cluster projects, 
some students still want that traditional internship. So they can go to the uh, career services office, leverage our 45,000 living alumni uh, network to see if we can find someone there or some of our other um, corporate partners that we have established. Um, they can go there to find internships that way. And of course, our career services does those other things as well, right? Resume sure. review, cover letter, some of those more basic things that most career service offices can check off. Yeah, but to your point, though, once they, they do like the basic blocking and tackling, now you get into your alumni network, which is which is solid. I mean, you have, you know, alumni that come back and specifically ask for students from this school to to I think you were telling me before, like, hey, I need three students that can do this, you know, this summer and we need we need them aligned. Um, so you get yeah. you get high demand. I think part of having a really strong alumni base and having um, a lot of affinity from the school, from our alumni, is a desire to give back. And not everybody has the money to give back, but they all they recognize that cash donation is not the only way to give back. So they'll say, you know, my employer, I run the business, I'm looking for a couple interns. Let's just start with Plum State. Let's get back and kind of shepherd that next generation of PSU alums along. And I think it really speaks to what we're doing here when we have people who are coming back actively seeking our students. Yes. Yep. Without a doubt. I agree. Um, so with that, let's shift gears a little bit and talk because you have some some new things that are happening on campus. Right. We got a couple of things that we can cover. One is, you know, you have a new chief diversity officer and you got yeah. some things around that. Can you share more about that? Yeah, so our new chief diversity officer, Barbara Ramos, started um, right around midsummer, I think June 1. Um, and he's brought a lot of great energy um, and has done a lot in our Center for Diversity, Equity, and Social Justice. One of the things for this audience specifically is our social, um, I'm sorry, not social justice, diversity scholars for first year students. So right. 25 first year students who are coming um, into Plymouth State can apply to be one of our diversity scholars. Uh, if selected, it comes with a scholarship based on your financial need. Um, but also, I think what really attracts people to this, um, in addition to the scholarship money, is that you immediately become a leader in the Center for, for Diversity. Um, it's a leadership position that counsels the CDO and also serves as a mentor for other students who are coming to the center for a variety of reasons. So we're super excited about launching this program um, and hope to uh, we should have about 25 students for this next incoming class in it. Our incoming group this year was a little bit smaller because of the time when Alberto started. It didn't give us as much time to market it, <laughs> um, but we aim to have that full 25 person cohort each year. So we're super excited to have him on the team and the work he's doing. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to, you know, we'll, obviously you and I will stay in touch, but I'm always mm -hmm. going to check in and I'd love to hear more about that as it, as it expands yeah. and we can share it with some of the listeners. So let's talk um, also about <clears throat> the strength and conditioning lab, because yeah. you and I were, you and I were laughing about that a little bit, because it sounds like you're, you're genetically modifying <laughs> athletes. But <laughs> no, it sounds really cool though. It's not quite <laughs> as advanced as biohacking, but uh, it's, you know, for a real plain way to put it, it's just a state-of-the-art gym for our students. It's a shared academic and athletic space. So we have a full-time athletic trainer um, JT, who does nothing but work with our student athletes to keep them in top shape. He helped design this strength and conditioning lab. Um, big donation from the mortgage family, great PSU advocates, helped pull it all together. Uh, but it's the largest strength and conditioning lab in the state of New Hampshire. 
I would venture out on a limb to say it's the best strength and conditioning lab in the D3 school in New England. Uh, 25 lifting racks, indoor 45 yard um, turf track for rehab. Um, it's a, but it's really, I think, what makes the space great and why we call it open laboratory instead of just the gym is that it's a place for our students who are studying athletic training, uh, physical therapy, exercise and sport physiology, physical education to come in and work with our student athletes and really learn how the body moves. Um, and it's just the cutting edge. It's better than what you're going to see in some uh, physical therapy studios out there. So students are getting out, not using technology that's 15 years old, really having the best of the best. Um, and I think that's going to set our graduates up to be super successful and then also help our, um, our athletic teams really thrive in their strength and conditioning program. Um, so it's groundbreaking. It's life changing for us. And we're super excited and grateful for the mortgage family for coming through to make it happen for us. That's really uh, cool. <clears throat> yeah. No, and I think it's, I mean, the fact that it's uh, students and athletes alike, I mean, it's, it sounds awesome. And uh, I think it would be a, a great place to visit. Maybe we can do a tour sometime. I'll bring a, I'll bring a camera crew. We can step yeah, through it. It'd be awesome. <laughs> we have a lot more great things going on. We have brand new turf field as well, indoor uh, track, NHL size, ice hockey arena. So let's do it. I love nice. to show our athletic space. I think it's really pretty premier for D3 schools in New England. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I, I would love to see it. That sounds good. All right, Matt. So I appreciate you um, joining us on the show. I think this has been very informative. I think we covered a lot of ground and we can always do another episode if we come up with some more info. Yeah. But how do people get in touch with you and where can they learn more? Um, what's the uh, web address for Plymouth? Yeah, so to get in touch with me directly, love to chat with you. Shoot me an email, um, mlwallace at plymouth.edu. Um, love to have you on campus to learn a little bit more about PSU, like we talked about earlier, that campus visit, get up here, kind of get a sense for uh, all we are. Um, you can sign up for that right on our website, Plymouth.edu. Um, also explore academic offerings, learn a little bit more about that cluster program, check out some video of the strength and conditioning lab, where it's not biohacking, unfortunately, so that'd be pretty fun <laughs> thing to talk about. Uh, yeah, I'd love to have people up on campus, and I welcome any conversation uh, that I can answer questions as a follow-up from this chat. That's great. So, yep, the link is going to be below for the website. And uh, to get in touch with Matt, you can check out his email in the description below. And, um, you know, as always, you can also visit springpath.net to see if Plymouth State is a match for you. Matt, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Mike. All right. Take care, bud. You too.